This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Tallman Equipment. Tallman Equipment prides itself in having more linemen tools in stock than anyone else. And now, when you're shopping online at tallmanequipment.com, look for the truck logo that says Fast Ship on hundreds of items on their website. That logo means that item is in stock and ready to ship the same day in most cases. When it comes to getting the tools and equipment linemen need, trust Tallman. Line 11 Clothing Company, making apparel for our first responders with a positive message to patriots that you can be proud of. The proceed of the cost goes to helping our foundation ignite the fire for father engagement. Give them a follow at Line 11 Clothing on Instagram. And finally, Monzingo Knives. Each knife is created with craftsmanship that only a tradesman could provide. Find them on Instagram at Monzingo Knives and get your American-made Monzingo knife today. Welcome to the Show Up Dad podcast. This podcast is created for hardworking fathers. At the Show Up Dad, we recognize that fathers providing for their children is certainly important. When women truly understand their unique role and gain the knowledge and skills to be great fathers, they can transform and impact future generations. Today's guest is Chris Peronto. Tonto, as he is affectionately known in security contracting circles, is a father of three, happily married to Tanya Peronto, a former Army Ranger from 2nd Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment, and a private security contractor who has deployed throughout South America, Central America, the Middle East, and North Africa. He also worked with the U.S. government's global response staff, conducting low-profile security and high-threat environments throughout the world. He is one of the survivors of the Benghazi incident and was portrayed by Pablo Schreiber in the film by Michael Bay, 13 Hours, the secret soldiers of Benghazi. On September 11, 2012, Islamic militants attacked the U.S. consulate in Benghazi, Libya, killing Ambassador J. Christopher Stevens and Sean Smith, an officer for the Foreign Service. As a member of the Annex security team, Chris and other soldiers were assigned to protect operatives and diplomats in the city. As the assault rages on, the six men engaged the combatants in a fierce firefight, to save over 20 lives while fighting off terrorists from the CIA annex for over 13 hours. Chris and his fellow brothers in arms story is told in the book, 13 hours written by Mitchell Zuckoff. Welcome to our show up brother. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate that. You got a great voice too. You, you ever tell you that? Obviously <laughs> you're doing podcasts. Like, gosh, that's, that's almost Barry White, but a little bit more gangster to it. Even more gangster <laughs> than Barry White, which is hard to do. <laughs> but yeah, that's all. No, I appreciate it, man. And, and thanks for the introduction. And, and uh, I, I appreciate y'all having me on. I, I really do enjoy these types of podcasts that, that uh, try to bring positivity back to the world and not divisiveness, man. It's, it's awesome to be on here. It's awesome that you have the show going. So thank you. Absolutely, brother. Well, like always, I want to op- have you open up and tell our listeners about your relationship growing up with your dad and what was it like brother sure you know my my dad you know, i i i i uh, i i you know had a pretty normal childhood we we were lower middle class middle class lower middle class i got i got no complaints we we you know i had everything i ever needed uh, my father wasn't as lucky you know my he uh his parents or my grandparents on that side they died when he was one so i i both of them did and one was in a car crash my my grandfather on that side was was shot down he was in world war ii he was on a i want to say it was a b-52 and it was shot down um, but so I never got to know them. All I knew, you know, was my father grew up pretty hard and, and literally in Spur, Texas, he was, a, his family grew up with, with his grandma and grandpa, my great grandma and grandpa. They were literally dirt farmers in Spur, Texas. And if anybody lives in West Texas and Spurs, a little town, ta- little town outside of Lubbock, no, you pretty much can't grow anything out there, but dirt and, and <laughs> just poor, very, very poor. And, and, but he, he, you know, he learned the value of hard work and that you have to overcome adversity to continue on. And, and he did that. And I saw him, you know, growing up as far as the past pictures that I would see with him playing football in high school, did very well, got his college uh, football scholarship to Adam State College there in Colorado. And um, so I, I, you know, I kind of wanted to walk in those footsteps and football and sports and athletics were big in my family at the time. And uh and I grew up on a football field. You know, when I, I was finally born, my dad was a head football coach for, for Adam State College, actually. Oh, and wow. so I just, I would, that's what I would do. I, when, you know, we weren't at school in Alamosa, Colorado, which is a very, very small town on the New Mexico, Colorado border. Um, 
I was, I was at the football field. I was catching punts with the, with the punt from the punters. I was going out there and running routes for the quarterbacks and I was playing ball boy. And honestly, I, I had a blast. I had, I had a lot of fun just hanging around the college and hanging around that atmosphere. And then as we grew up, you know, my dad got to go to division one levels first Brigham Young university. And then as an assistant coach and then Oregon state university as assistant coach, you know, my childhood was spent a lot on those college campuses, particularly around the football teams. And I, I was blessed because I got to see leadership, you know, and, and coaches back in those days, especially at Brigham Young University, where they had Coach Lavelle Edwards, uh, mm-hmm. which they don't, they don't make guys like that anymore. Coaches aren't like that anymore with with class and dignity. They just don't they don't you don't see them. Mm-hmm. Um, but me being around there and seeing how you know my dad also acted, which which was treated treated these kids, which they were with class and dignity, but gave them discipline when they needed to, and that was during those national championship days. It was it was. I don't know if I was really understanding that I was grabbing all of it. Maybe it was by the process of osmosis of just being around him. But, uh, you know, I, I was around guys like Jim McMahon and Steve Young and Robbie Bosco and, and these national championship teams. And, uh, you know, to me, the norm was never giving up and never quitting and, and working your tail off. But then as a as seeing my father, as he coached his guys and he coached a linebacker that went and played for the Redskins, that was very good. It, it did translate back at home because I, I, I saw that where he was giving kids respect, but also discipline. And I got that same thing at home where, mm. you know, I was treated very, I, you know, I was treated fairly. <laughs> I, yeah. And I wasn't, you know, I, there was no problems with me and dad, dad didn't mom and dad. And especially since we're talking about dad, I never got beat. I never got, I never got disciplined where I didn't deserve the discipline. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, it was very fair, and but I was also taught, and being around those college campuses and then at home with my father, I was also taught manners, and, and that was huge back then, mm-hmm. manners. You say, sir, and that's West Texas, what do you think? You say, yeah. sir, and ma'am. You say, thank you. You say, please. You hold, chivalry's not dead. You hold the door open. I mean, I, I remember that growing up in my, why you holding the door for your mom? Dad, because I'm six. I, I, I mean, I didn't say that, but I'm thinking in my head, I just didn't know that, but that became the norm. Yeah. And and honestly, it, it it translated into having discipline and and more manners, which led to, I think, more integrity within myself mm-hmm. growing up. And so, you know, growing up with my dad, it was a very positive experience. We and we do the normal things that kids back then do, and I think they still should do today. And you see a lot of them. I live in the Midwest. You still see that around here. Yeah. I don't know if you see that in other parts of the country, but definitely down here, playing catch in the afternoon. Going, mm-hmm. you know, I I remember being in almost a Colorado learning my first over the head football catch where my dad threw with those Nerf footballs and thinking, man, that was awesome. I want to do that again. And just going out and having fun with dad playing, you know, playing a uh, wiffle ball out front or playing, you know, going and him, let me do some little pepper into one of the batting cages, you know, we're, we're hitting the peppers where you know, throw the ball and I hit it in the batting cage and just, just, just playing and, and having a good time. And, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, at the, the discipline, was still always there and it was there for my mom too i have a latina mama you know she's mexican and latino mamas don't play around so no (laughs) discipline but on my dad's side the discipline was was there and and the work ethic i saw was always there and it translated and even from my grandfather who was a picker and came over and then you know started as a picker then got his own farm and i grew up on his farm when we were in delta colorado seeing that Mm -hmm. on my grandfather's side as well you know seeing that that it's just that hard work ethic and the manners that to me were the norm that I, I, you don't really see that nowadays. Nowadays, I try to teach that with my kids, but it's something that was instilled in me. And I do believe it made me stronger growing up because it gave me a little bit of humility, mm-hmm. which we all need. Um, yeah. But it also showed, hey, you know, it, it, you, you, th- these are the right things to do to, to have, you know, just to just to have some integrity and, and the importance of integrity. And um, yeah, it was, it was tremendous. It was just mm-hmm. a tremendous childhood that that was to me was, I think, typically normal back then. I don't know if that's the norm now, but it, it was. And and they were, you know, they allowed me to go out and do things on my own. I am a motorcycle out in the middle of acreage for an hour or two and not being supervised or going, taking my dog and going down the Rio Grande River and, you know, fishing by myself mm-hmm. you know, when I'm 11 and 10 and 11 years old that you just don't see nowadays a whole bunch but I think a lot I had to do is because I I did I did take on and and really did believe in that that the values of of having integrity and and having that the manners and and also knowing that that uh you know 
knowing that I could take care of myself, which I think a lot of that ties mm -hmm. into all those manners and, and, and respect that you're giving to your elders. When they give it back to you, you, you gain that confidence and, and elders, especially I'll tell you right now, I'm an elder right now. I, when a child or, or somebody that's an adolescent says, please, or sir, or hold the door open for me. I, I look at that like, wow, that, that, you know, that is huge. That's, that's amazing that you're doing that. And I look at that child and watch them and just see how they act. And normally they're acting with a lot more confidence, uh, even though, even though they may have held the door for me, they've still got a lot more confidence in their lives and they're helping their, helping their family out. Typically that's at the grocery store that I see that. And I think going back to my childhood, when I was doing it and I got that confidence of that, looking at that, that adult and them saying, thank you, son, or saying, Hey, wow, I, that, that doesn't happen that much. Mm -hmm. it, or I haven't seen it in a while. It gave me that confidence just that maybe I'm growing the right way. And I'm, I'm, I, I can do this. I can live in this world on my own because I'm gaining mm. the experience of how to act out in public. And, and that was, that was instilled greatly in my, from my father and, and also, you know, also my grandfather for going down all mm. the way in my lineage. And, and, um, no, it's tremendous, bro. I, and him and I still have a good relationship. Uh, um, he's getting up there in age now, um, have a, has a harder time moving around, but we, we, we still, we still, I still, you know, he's still my father and he, I still love yeah. him to death and I always will. And, but I still remember those, just those early values growing up of how important they were. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I hit it, I'll hit it on it again, the integrity and the discipline and the manners and the chivalry and stuff that now is deemed as toxic masculinity is like, well, fine. I'm a toxic man. I've been, that's me right here. I'm, I'm toxic. I'm the most toxic masculine man you've ever found because I'll say please and thank you and sir. And I'll hold the door for my wife still. And I'll pull her chair out. But that's, that's what, that's what it mm -hmm. was back then. And honestly, that's what it needs to be today. And I think more dads need to do that. And my dad, my dad did that. And my grandfather did that. And, and, it, it, it did translate down the line when I started to deploy people. Like, how's that, how's that make you any better when you're going overseas? It, it does it, that discipline, just that discipline to do the right thing. And then integrity doing the right thing when no one else is looking does translate later in life and whatever job you have. And especially when we're in combat zones, you have to have discipline mm -hmm. to do the right thing or, or, and to do the job correctly. And it's, but it starts, it starts at the young ages and, and it did start at a young age with me. And I, I'm thankful for it. I'm very thankful for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Thank you once again for sharing all that, Chris. Of and course. I, I think it's interesting that you grew up in Alamosa. Um, <laughs> my, uh, I, I remember Alamosa perfectly because I used to go there and wrestle. No, we're, no way. We're, yeah. We're, we're, what, where are we at? We're, well, we're I'm, uh, and you probably you might know the coach. Um, I grew up in Santa Fe, New Mexico originally. Yeah. Yeah, and oh, yeah. Uh, we we had a coach whose name was Mike Lujan. He won Coach of the Decade. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, he was a wrestling coach, and I was a part of the New Mexico Roadrunners. And we'd go wrestle freestyle all over the country, and uh, we would go there to Alamosa, Colorado, and we would wrestle in those big uh, yeah, yeah in their gym. You know what I mean? And uh, I remember going there, and uh, I remember one night because I was a little kid. You know, I was only like in eighth grade, I think, at the time, seventh or eighth grade, and we're from seventh grade all the way up into seniors you know wrestling gotcha. freestyle and uh we had some college girls who were sleeping in the dorm <laughs> right and some college girls came and they thought it was funny because they're there so they ran in there and they threw their bras at us and stuff oh, and, oh dude it was crazy man it was well and that's adam state was a huge wrestler during the summers they'd have the huge wrestling summer camps and they were mm -hmm. at that time they were one of the top wrestling colleges in the nai in the, the NAI division, they were one of the top colleges in the nation. So yeah, that was huge wrestling there. So yeah, I, I don't doubt that, that you guys were going there <laughs> doing crazy, doing those things that goes crazy things that happen when you're on going to camps. Cause I did, I went to my share of football camps in the summer mm -hmm. and, and yeah, that's, that's you're away from home. You're staying in the dorms, you're in high school or you're in eighth grade. And it's just, it's, it's a learning experience. And then you go play all day as for, or, or, go to your camp all day and then you come back to your dorm rooms and it's your first experience being away without really adult supervision you have a coach that's mm -hmm. there but they can't he, there's no way that one coach can monitor all those people and uh, but that's where the discipline came in you're still yeah. i mean yeah we got a little crazy but we didn't do anything stupid we didn't go out there and go steal a car or or do drugs or or doing it in the dorms it was just mm -hmm. it was just good what we call good clean fun now and it was it was 
I remember that. that. That's so cool, though, that you did that. I remember we used to play all those colleges down down there. Um, you know, we'd play Highlands. We'd play mm-hmm. Western New Mexico. You know, we there was another one down there, too. And then in high school, we used to play all those teams on, mm-hmm. on the res, too. Kirtland, they were. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> those big boys. Those They were on that res and the res, reservation guys. And that was, I, I remember those big, man, those big Indians, those big Native Americans. We, we should, if we're doing being politically correct, yeah. they they were, they were, man, that was tough. They're great guys. Those great teams with great games. And, and, and yeah, Santa Fe, beautiful, beautiful little town. I don't know if it's little anymore, but it used to be, man. It used to be gorgeous. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely changed and grown. Um, I, uh, I remember it being just like, so cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just living there in Santa Fe. And then um, it just, it just blew up, dude. I mean, we have everybody from, every part of the world there now, you know, and um, we don't live in New Mexico anymore. We actually moved to Southern California and wow. uh, yeah, That's a, lot of a lot of people there. Definitely. Oh yeah. But it, it, it's, it's, it's amazing in its own way. I lived here 20 years ago when I was in the military and I sure. vowed I would never come back. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> God had a different plan for us, you know, and uh, I, I'm happy that he brought us out here. I, yeah, I you know, that's good to hear. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you is you said that your family were pickers. That's a, that's interesting to me because my mom's family settled in that whole region right there, that whole valley yeah. from Alamosa all the way yeah. to northern New Mexico. Um, they came with the with the uh, conquistadores, no right? The, the Spanish. Wow. Yeah. Wow. When they came through with the Sephardic Jews, you know, and. Yeah. Uh, they came through and they settled in that whole region right there. And I, I thought that was interesting because I have an old picture of my mom when she was like maybe two and they were picking fruit in Alamosa, Colorado. Wow. Uh, that is, that, that, that's the San Luis Valley right yeah. there, man. Or, yeah, yeah. And um, it, it's, it, I'm, I'm proud of that heritage. I, I really am. I'm very proud. And I think any, any um, any Mexican Mexicano or 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 anyone that's a Latino orange that has families that are that that have been pickers or or immigrants or say however you want to say it you know I I oh. that that value of hard work or whatever it is that gene has been instilled in the in in that person for years and years and it's always there I know science will say oh there's no such thing well I, when man when your when your family has grown up hard and and they that's what they do every day getting out there and 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 in, in the hot sun or, or on the crops and so forth and and picking out there that's that's a gene that that i i do think is is goes on for generations and it did apply to me definitely mm-hmm. and uh, yeah my grandfather going from seeing him and you know i saw him and then also my father you know my father who grew up very poor <laughs> just extremely poor as well seeing them build themselves up Mm-hmm. until where I got of age where I didn't I, I didn't I didn't have to do that yeah I'd go out with my grandpa every once in a while on the tractor because he eventually got his own farm he started yeah. as a picker and then worked his way the American dream man he picker and then, right. he, then he had his own farm and my dad of course who started with nothing and picking dirt out in Spur Texas and now he's you know as this division one football coach I didn't ever have to do all that and, and I admire that I said because that that truly is how fathers should be you're setting your sons and your daughters up for success so they don't have to go through the hardships that you did and that was particularly i saw exactly what happened in my life it was mm-hmm. man they went through hard work and they busted their asses excuse my language out there guys but busted her so they didn't have to so i didn't have to experience all that now i, I still did it on the i i got to reap the fruits of their labor <laughs> really right. is what it was i did and and I took that as a father as well as I am here with me. I, you know, I, I don't spend more than I do. I have, I hate have being on credit. I don't want to owe anybody any money. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have the problems or any problems that were when I finally pass away, whenever that is that I can't say, yeah, I made this even easier for my kids. And that's, I think how fathers should look at it. Easier being is that, that, yeah, that you've set them up for success or road for success right off the bat. It doesn't mean you need to spoil them or it doesn't mean you need to give them everything they asked for. I never got that. It was that I didn't ever have to go and work, you know, minimum wage for the rest of my life. They put me where I had an opportunity now to step off what they did and now try to do it maybe even one better. 
And um, I don't know if I have or not, but I do know that my kids have all that they need. And if I died today, they would have enough, you know, that they could still be successful in their own lives, at least on the financial side of the house. Emotional, you know, that's a different story uh, when somebody dies. And I've seen, you know, I've been through that before. It's, it's, it's kind of up to you and God and how God, how you, how, how you lean on God to help you get through that. Yeah. But, you know, I, as far as just my father and my grandfather and, and, and watching them just work their tails off, never giving up and they never complain. I, I know my, mm. my dad's Spanish. Um, my dad's Spanish, but he looks like a Wedito dude. He's a, you know, he's, he looks like yeah. a white boy. He's a white boy. He's a white boy. That, that, that's how I look like too. So <laughs> we're good. <laughs> but you know, my grandfather, no, he's straight up. He, I mean, he's Mexican. Don't ever call him Chicano. He's like, no, 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 no. I know yeah. Chicano here, but my, no, my grandfather looks like zoot suit wearing back in the good old days. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I, I never, I never heard them. And if there was, I never, they never showed it to me. I, wow. I never heard anything about discrimination. We didn't get what we wanted because of our last name, which is Garcia. We didn't mm -hmm. on my ground on my mom's side. We didn't get what we want because of the way we looked. We didn't get it was always I mean my grandfather, my grandmother, my abuela, she would even say, Man, you didn't get what you wanted, Eho. Well, maybe you need to work a little harder. It was mm -hmm. never somebody else's fault. It was, mm -hmm. you know, and my dad, my dad, oh mm -hmm. man, he would say these things too. I, the, I, these little snippets that we get as kids that we bring it on is he would always, he just would always tell me, you know what? But maybe don't ever give them an excuse to not pick you. Whenever I didn't get picked for a team or I didn't mm -hmm. make it where I wanted to make it, don't ever give them that excuse to find a reason not to take you on. Always mm -hmm. go 110% and excel at everything. And then even that person doesn't like you, they mm -hmm. have no excuse to not pick you. And I always remember that. I remember that. And it, it, it carried me through the army, really did. Yeah. And that was a that was a golden nugget, Dad out there. I mean, he that was the one golden nugget. I well, I took a lot from him, but that was a huge one right there. It was mm -hmm. never give anybody the excuse. And I always use that to my kids, or when I'm out instructing firearms, or even when I was in the army and I was in leadership positions. It's like never ever give anybody excuse to not pick you based off whatever you think they're discriminate you against. It, it makes no difference. If you're are selling and you're doing 110% and you're working harder than everybody else in this room. They have no reason to not pick you. And I remember, I, I, I still remember that. I remember hearing that when I, I think I was 10 when I first heard that. And it, it, mm -hmm. it stayed with me. It obviously, and it still stays with me. It stayed with me up to now. I'm 50, I'm almost 52. I'm 51 years old. And it, it was something my dad, my dad's and my grandfather, you know, I saw from mm -hmm. my grandfather, my grandmother as well. It was something that I took on from, and I still believe in that to this day. And I still say that to my own kids, you know, mm -hmm. if, if they're, Hey, did you work hard enough? Did you get out there and do that little bit extra? You know, did you go to practice? Great. Did you do stuff after practice? Because that's where you're going to get better. Uh, no, you didn't. All right. Well, maybe you should next time. And it's never a talking. It's just, hey, well, and maybe it's a passive aggressive <laughs> discipline yeah. a little bit. But it's like, hey, maybe that's why. Always work your tail off at whatever you do. And it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be sports. It can be anything. You know, my daughter's a tremendous artist and she works her butt off. I, I don't know how she, she doesn't get her creativity from her dad. That's for dang sure. I don't know how she paints and does, she makes her own stuffed animals. She's 13. And I'm like, how are you doing that? She's like, I just watch it on the videos. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> but it, it makes me proud because even if as kids, they say they're not learning and they're not listening mm -hmm. or they're ignoring you, they're not. And I was the same way. I would, eh, dad, whatever, whatever. Yeah, sure, sure. You know, I didn't say that to him because you know, you get a little, you get a little five across the eyes, maybe if you, oh, back yeah. in, but it was, you know, yeah, whatever. You know, I was in my head like, yeah, dad, whatever. But I really took a lot of that to heart. And I, obviously I did, cause I still remember it 40 some years later. Right. And, yeah. So um, that was the caveats. And I think that was the generation and I'm the gen, I'm a gen Xer, I guess mm -hmm. that our gen, our generation that is that, that yes, we were taken care of. Yes, we were loved, but we also realized not everybody got a trophy i know that's a, a yes. cliche now but it's the truth not it you're is not gonna, you're not going to win every time and it's okay every once in a while to fail and fall down you learn from those failures and you get stronger from them you don't you don't just complain about them like okay mm -hmm. what did i and that was the army the army refined that but initially it was okay what did i do wrong what do i need to do better so i don't hit this problem again and it's like overcoming obstacles and and that was that was my generation growing up. It was, mm. all right, we didn't win the championship. We didn't get a trophy. Gosh, that's terrible. Okay, what do we need to do next year so we do? Mm -hmm. It wasn't, here's your participation trophy. It's, all right, not everybody's going to win all the time. But 
we have another chance here. Let's learn from those. And I remember coaches saying this. And my dad was a football coach. Obviously, I heard this all the time. Right. All right. We didn't win. What did we do wrong? And then coming and watching game film after you lose, which is the hardest thing to do when you're sitting. And I played college football as well. Mm-hmm. Coming in there and watching yourself screw up on film. And it's kind of humiliating because you're in front of your peers, but you're learning it. So you and and hey, shame and shame and guilt are are still heckful ways to learn. I'm not saying you have to have them all the time, but I'm glad I had some shame and guilt in my lives because I learned from those things. So I didn't feel those things again. Mm-hmm. But learning and being in there and being like, man, I screwed up and watching your whole team see you screw up. But then, okay, what did I do wrong? All right, let's do this as a teaching point. How do we overcome this? And then taking that home to my own family now that I do whenever we make a mistake. And 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 uh, so we don't compound that. Where dad used to say, don't compound the mistake by making a second mistake. Well, that's why we learned from that first mistake. And I remember that always being in my head. And again, that that took me into the army and went to the range of battalion. And then that just really refined all that to where it took it to the next level where mistakes cost people's lives and mm-hmm. you don't want to make those mistakes. And But having that initial base baseline for my abuelo and my dad before I went in the army, it, it, it allowed me to take that to the next level where it was honestly really easy to do because I already had all that, all that discipline that they gave me, all those manners, all those, all those, those little nuggets that they would give me growing up. Mm-hmm. And also the toughness of you don't ever give up on anything. You don't quit on anything. It, when I got to the army, it, it made the army fit like, you know, I was a square peg and in, in that square hole. It was like, man, this is, this is easy because mm-hmm. I already have this base and it was, it was, it was tremendous. Uh, now I said, I'm glad we're talking because I'm remembering things growing up that I haven't remembered in a long time. And mm-hmm. it makes me proud to say that, yeah, I, I, I was, I, I was set up for success from my father and mm-hmm. from my grandfather. Definitely. And that's good that you said that. Cause as parents, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to set up our kids for success. Yes, sir. I like the fact that you had multiple role models. Um, you know, a, a lot of times as, as sons, right. Our fathers could only give us what they could give us, what sure. they had received. Right. Sure. Yep. So for me, my dad wasn't really into sports. Okay. He was into hard work hunting. You know, we're pretty rambunctious. We grew up on a, you know, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. building fences and stuff like that. Oh yeah. You're, a, you're in Santa farm. Fe, man. Yeah. yeah. You're Santa Fe. That's hard living out. At least back then it was hard living. I don't know anymore, but yeah, that's, that's tough out there. You got to, you got to grind through a lot of those, a lot of those, those, those areas and a lot of the weather that goes out there. So yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, and, and hunting's huge out there too. So I, I wouldn't doubt it, man. But like you, I, I learned and I gleaned from a lot of our coaches. Um, I had two coaches that came to mind. They're our Yaffle coaches in Santa Fe. Uh, one of them was uh, Leroy Petrie. He, no way. Yeah, no, his, his daddy. No, his no daddy way. was our Yaffle coach. Him and another guy named Mike uh, Medrano. Great guys. Yeah, um, yeah. But Leroy, we used to call him Powder Puff. Uh, but I went through ba- the second time I came in the army, me and Leroy went through basic training together. And then we were at the same company at 275 when I came in again. Uh, yeah, but I'll be honest with you. Leroy was one of the last guys to go to ranger school. I, I yeah, wow. tell me the powder poster because I, I really, when we were basic training, I'll be mm-hmm. honest, Leroy. And if he's listening to this, I love Leroy to death. Leroy's tremendous ranger and obviously mm-hmm. tougher and harder than nails. But I really didn't think he was going to make it because mm-hmm. it's just, it's just one of those, man, he can't run can't do push-ups he's he's just it's like what are you and you want to go to ranger battalion i'm like are you kidding me but man he never gave up you could you could you could beat him into the ground and he would get back up and just keep on coming at you and that was Mm -hmm. that was a tremendous but yeah go ahead i don't know the powder post story i didn't know that yeah tell me that well when we're when we're growing up i run yaffle we uh were coached by these guys and the team was called the uh the lobos right yeah sure sure sure. and uh we were always winning the city championships every single year. And these, these were tremendous coaches, right? And uh, Leroy was the head coach. And then Mike Medrano was the defensive coach, right? And these were tough guys, you know, back in the day, these were the guys that would tell you, you hit that guy right square in the, in the helmet. He's like, Oh, just think about it like this. What are you going to do? If someone steals your bike, you punch them in the nose. It's the same concept. You know what I mean? That, those are the guys that we grew up with, you know, and Leroy was sometimes, you know, he, um, he didn't like to get hit. And oh, his, yeah. 
his older <laughs> brothers played for us too. And uh, those guys were tough. You know what I mean? Not saying that Leroy wasn't tough, but Leroy just had a different point of view of things. You know, um, he liked to think, think things through and uh, they're always on his butt, man. Come on, powder puff. And that's what they called him and stuff like that. Needless to say, obviously that's, doesn't even have any value anymore because i mean the guy won the medal of honor you know what i mean, I mean? yeah you know throw, picking up a live grenade throwing it back i would say he's pretty he, there's no more powder puff right yeah. there. <laughs> but but that, that's that's all such an awesome story because it, it does remind me of, of how what i thought of leroy as well when i first met him at basic tra- and guys i had already been through i i had gotten booted out of the army the first time i was in and this was my second stint in so i knew what to expect. So I, I kind of could stand back when I had to go through basic training again, the mm-hmm. second time I could stand back and actually watch guys and see how they were going to, and honestly, I would, I would, I would like Leroy's like, there's no way he's going to make it back to range with 10. Cause I already, I'd already been there once mm-hmm. and it just, but you know, that I, it really was that, I don't know if it was him when he was growing up that way, but that toughness that, that he just had and, and that ability to pick yourself up off the ground, which I think every dad should give their children. And by and just by example, it's like, mm-hmm. hey, you need to get knocked down. My dad used to say that too. Hey, I, the old Texas, West Texas, you fought that horse, so you get back up on it, yep. keep riding. Well, that was Petrie right there. But also, that's what I think uh, many of us at Range of Battalion and many of us outside of it that still should be that way. It's like, hey. It, it was it was drilled into us at that time and and that's what i saw with leroy after as the basic training kept going i just started to see that okay he's got the mental toughness the physical ability uh, mid-range we'll see mm-hmm. how it goes but he's not going to give up and and that's good to hear because i bet his brothers drilled that into him and his dad as well if i didn't know his family all i knew was leroy that's all i knew yeah but that's how it was in my family. It's like, dude, just son, get back up. You fall that horse, finish the race, get back up on that horse. Mm-hmm. And it just stayed with me over. Even that night in Benghazi, it was right there. It was there. Don't quit. Don't quit. All right. You screwed up. All right. We're not doing well. All right. They're, they're not letting us go. What do we do? <sighs> Take a breath. Keep grinding through it. Just keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Don't keep moving forward. And it just kept going through my head that mm-hmm. night. So I, you know, God, God works in mysterious ways, man. I was able looking back at all that now. Uh-huh. I was like, man, he he did he did put us put me in and then put my teammates, but me particularly, just because that's who I remember all my life through all these trials and tribulations for that moment in time, mm-hmm. and it was that ability to not quit, and of course, given given me good role models of of the never quit attitude that I, I think a lot of Gen Xers have that, and I mm-hmm. everybody say every generation is better than the next, or no, I should say every generation before is better than the one 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 but one next to it. Uh, going going forward but i do believe a lot of us grew up that way and i think the ones even before us even grew up harder and and i think it does show in today's society that uh that 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 the never quit attitude and and that overcoming and not blaming everybody everybody else except yourself for Mm -hmm. maybe a fail failing not a failure but a failing which everybody's going to fail and fall down every once in a while it's just how that's how you learn that's how you get successful as you learn from those things i think we just we're giving I was at least given a better role models through coaches, mm-hmm. through my father, through my grandfather, that that never stopped me. It just made me stronger. It just made mm-hmm. me more hungry. And and uh, I think, again, going back to Leroy, I think I, I, I would put dollars to donuts. He, he has the same sort of stories of, mm-hmm. of that overcoming adversity and never giving up. And not everybody gets a trophy, obviously. And sometimes you can be shamed, powder puff, and you're still going to get stronger <laughs> for it. I think this is a perfect example. He got called names. Wow. Yeah. Oh man, did, he, did that let him bother him? Did he go down that hole? Did he just feel sorry for himself? Nope. He went in the army, went to, became infantry infantryman. He went to Ranger Battalion, jumped out of airplanes, blew stuff up, went to went to Iraq and saved a bunch of lives by giving himself up for a grenade that blew off half his hand. Yeah, I, I think Powder Puff probably may have instilled that into him more than it did take anything away from him, mm-hmm. which is something that we can all we should all get back to, in my opinion. We, we need to. I, I agree 100%. You know what I mean? I like that you said that shame and guilt that you use it to learn from. You know, a lot of times we use shame and we hide from it, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's one of the big things I see now is people want to cover stuff. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? They want to put on this mask. The problem with masks is you put on too many of them. You don't know who you are. You know, you're obvi- I think that's a big problem in today's society. I think that's why mm-hmm. suicides are way up. I think yes. that's why 
that's why you know crime is way up. It's, uh, we have no virtue uh, right now. We have no integrity. Social media doesn't help that either. Social media lets you be somebody else entirely. You know, obviously we, we call them hiding in your mom's basement, and you're or you're putting on that you're pretending to be somebody you're not. And and social media allows people to do that, but that's mm-hmm. not a good thing. That is not a good thing at all. I, you're you you have to figure out who you are. And if you're confused, using social media to figure out who you are is not the best way to do it. The best way to do it is just get outside and live and mm-hmm. figure out what you like and, and figure out what you like to do and figure out that, that, you know, that maybe that's not what everybody else likes to do, but that's okay. It's, it's, and, and also getting in your prayer book and, and reading, Hey guys, mm-hmm. I hated reading prayer. I, I, God's been in my life a lot since I was young. But mm-hmm. I went to Sunday school kicking and screaming. I hated going to church. I, I didn't. I read the Bible, but I really didn't read the Bible when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. But I still it was still was in me. And that allowed me to to really I, it allowed me to have some direction and allowed me if I was ever dealing with something that I couldn't handle, I could open it up and read a passage or I could pray. And I dude, I've been praying since I was 15. I pray at least once a day since I've been 15 years old. Once. Well, that's just once a day. I mean, I, at a minimum. I mean, mm-hmm. I may do it more than that throughout the day, but that was also from my father and my grandfather as well. They were, they were, you know, obviously grandfather's Mexican. We were, he was Roman Catholic. We, we got changed to Episcopalian, which is Catholic light, but it's still Catholic. We still don't believe in the Pope. It's still Catholicism, but Christianity was huge in my life. And it was always something that I could lean on mm-hmm. if I needed it. And my parents never really forced me on it. They forced mm-hmm. me to go to to church which what right. parent doesn't force their kids good parent doesn't force their kids to go to church but it, it still gave me that and again another outlet that if mm-hmm. i needed i needed direction or if i had a question i could i had somewhere else to go and not just go on my facebook page or go on instagram i could oh, and i still do this to this day every morning i open up a prayer bible and i read mm-hmm. a read a passage like okay god what and that's for me what do i need to read today open it up that's what i need to hear but I got that from my my grandfather and my and my dad. I I, I did. I, I and of course my mom and my grandmother, of course. But um, but it, it was something that that dads again with manners and discipline that they can give to their children. So hey, God's got answers. Don't look. Don't God's just look to Him every once in a while. But it took. It, they let it. They, but they did it in such a way mm-hmm. that they let me find God. They didn't. I mean, they they gave me the bay. Okay, this is God. This is the Bible. Go to church. Listen to the pastor. Pick up stuff. But in the end, it was, it's your choice. You either are have God in your life or you're not. And I think that was a great, I mean, it may have been the scariest thing as a father, my father to do for me was give me that choice, but it, it helped me because I found God. And I think that's what we have to got. We have to find God on our own. And, and my parents allowed me to do that. And, but having a good Christianity base from my grandfather and grandmother to my parents definitely helped that immensely. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, you learn a lot from fig. I mean, the Bible, there's a lot of failure stories in the Bible failings in there. And you learn that failing isn't the, isn't the ultimate step. It's mm-hmm. isn't the ultimate step to, to not accomplishing goals. Failing is just a chance to, to learn and learn from that and overcome that possibility. You come across that adversity again, it helps you learn from it. So you overcome that adversity next mm-hmm. time. But that was all from, that was all growing up with my dad and, and my grandfather. And, and there's a lot of shame and guilt in the Bible. I think it's like a lot of people don't like to read the Bible anymore. Yeah. It's because they know they're doing things wrong. I did, but I believe and we can talk about that here in a second if you want to. Mm-hmm. I, I, we, you know, I know when we do something wrong and the Bible points that out, the commandments point those out and it makes us feel guilty and it makes us feel uncomfortable. And we don't like that as people. We don't want to feel that. And we want to, everything's always great. I'm doing everything right. No, if it's wrong, it's wrong. And mm-hmm. here's where it's wrong. And maybe you need to say, hey, God, forgive me for my sins. Help me not do this thing wrong anymore. Mm-hmm. And you won't, but you have to realize that's wrong. And you have to feel uncomfortable every once in a while to learn. And honestly, to become better persons, because shame is a great self-corrector. It is. And so mm-hmm. is humility. Getting kicked out of the military the first time I was in and coming back home after I was so proud of being a ranger and then coming back to Grand Junction. We lived in Grand Junction, Colorado at that time. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's a small town. Everybody knows what happens. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, how hum- that was humiliating. But man, did it not drive me to like, okay, how am I? This is what I thought after the humiliation. Uh, let that sit in, and you know, howled at the moon for a few nights. Mm-hmm. All right, I was myself. How am I going to get back in the army now? 
how do I go back to range battalion? Because I fell off that horse. I got to get back on. I got to keep riding. And that never quit attitude just kicked in. And where did that come from? It came from the base of my grandfather and the base of my father. And that, oh, get on that horse, son, get back on it. You fell off. So humility and, I mean, being humbled and being humiliated and feeling guilt because I didn't complete what I wanted to and started, even though I, I thought I was going to. And feeling the shame of walk, coming back home as feeling like I failed. Mm-hmm. It didn't put me on a track to destruction. It actually made me stronger. It's like, to hell with this. I'm going back. No, I'm doing this all over again. Fine. That's what I have to do. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. And I'm getting back up on that horse. Well, it, it started as a young age. And as a dad, if you don't instill your children with that, that grit, that mm-hmm. I got instilled with, they will come home and they'll quit. They'll just, no, no, just say, it's okay to fail. It's okay not, it's okay to fail as long as you learn from those failings. Um, and and I was always given that opportunity. And, you know, you play sports. I think sports yeah. helped a lot with that too. You don't win every ball game, but you got to come back every week and play. Or if you're a wrestler, you got to come back every meet and you got to wrestle again. Even if you lose that match, you got another match. You may have another match that day. Mm-hmm. I got to forget that. And I got to come back and win this next one. That definitely did help. And the coaches that we had helped with that as well. But it always starts at home and it starts at a young age and giving, giving your children, circling back again, the best chance for success in life. And sometimes that is being hard on your children. That's not being, not being violent. That's the difference. It's being tough yeah. on your children, but being understanding and using failings as teaching points, which as a father, now that I am, mm-hmm. it's not as easy as I thought it was because sometimes that anger starts to boil over and you just want to explode. And you're like, no, this is a good teaching point. Relax. Let's, let's, let's show what let's, let's explain what happened, what we did wrong here and what we can do to overcome that next time and, and go from there. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, 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 I mean, I've been lucky. I've been very lucky to, mm-hmm. to have, great role models in my life that have given me that courage to and that strength to to overcome failings and i've had a lot of them. that second book i wrote the ranger way that is all about failing it's not a biography at all it's a self-help book and it's like <laughs> here here guys you think your life's you you're you screwed up here or there here's me why don't you mm-hmm. and I, I i i and i think it's important because i want people to know that it's okay to it's okay to fall down every once in a while. In fact, you need to fall down to learn how to get stronger. It's that old adage, one step back or two step forward or two steps forwards and one step back. You fail once, you fall back, then you figure it out, you move two steps forward and you keep keep climbing that mountain. Um, but there's going to be setbacks every once in a while. And, but being, again, a, a good dad and a good role model is how you help your children overcome adversity and set them up for success. And I, I was blessed. And I really didn't see that. Honestly, I didn't see that till after Benghazi when I was able to look back on my life a little bit. I had some self-reflection uh-huh. and I really didn't understand that till just, to, just I would say, you know, it's 10 years, almost 10 years since Benghazi happened. I would say yeah, about 10 years ago is when I finally looked back at all that. Like, wow, thank God you put me through all those failings and you gave me this family to teach me just so when that night happened, I knew how to overcome it and not worry about me getting out of that situation and not worrying about our team getting out of that situation and that we didn't ever give up. It was just, it was, it was kind of an eye-opening experience. Like, yeah, God really does have paths for us. Yes. <laughs> we just need to follow those. We just need to stop complaining and just get on that path and, and rock it, man. Just mm-hmm. keep, and ever since then, I've, I've had some issues after that as well. It's, it's tough being in the spotlight. I'm yeah. not bred to be a public, I hate that word, public, whatever. I'm not bred to be that kind of guy and it took me three or four years to get through all that that was trials and tribulations within itself as well that was a lot of humiliation on my part but that was self-imposed on myself where i just i lived off my vices Mm -hmm. and i let the devil get in my life and and uh but again having that good base good father good grandfather good mother good grandmother the toughness the the christianity that was there the the virtue that they put in me growing up the importance of having integrity got me out of that vice hole that I was going through when the movie came out. And it's, it's very seductive. It's a very, the devil can, the devil can seduce the heck out of you. And and he did for about three years, but Mm -hmm. luckily for me, I was able to get out of it. I wanted to ask you, you talked about Benghazi, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. How, how did, uh, 
Okay. So you talked about how your values of faith helped you and, sure. you know, refining your character and overcoming those doubts and fears that you had to deal with. Right. Yeah. So you're able to hindsight 2020, look back and see that all the trials and tribulations yeah. that you went through prepared yeah. you. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, I agree with you hundred percent. Sometimes we don't see the whole picture, but when we look back yep. and we, we take account of everything that's happened, we start saying, okay, this is, this was the plan. It may, we may not have had to go through that, but guess what? God causes all things to work together for yeah. our good. Right. And he oh, will yeah. see you through it. <clears throat> oh yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's exactly the Benghazi that this, the whole night getting kicked out of the military, having ulcerative colitis, severe case of ulcerative colitis. The second time I was in the military and getting medically discharged because my guts were, were bleeding all over the place. Yeah. But that's another obstacle that, that, you know, that, that was hard to go through because by at that time I was on top of the world. I'd gone Mm -hmm. through the military. I got in again. I actually was been excelling, doing extremely well as a ranger. And then I got tapped to be an officer. So I, I got my officer's commission. So now I'm going to commission officer in the military and everything's going great. I'm going to go back to ranger battalion as a platoon leader now, instead of just a team leader. Mm -hmm. And, and then all of a sudden, it's like, I was like, ah, no, 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 no. This may not be what we need. Let's, let's see how tough you really are. <laughs> and, and then me bleeding that, you know, out of, out of every orifice of my body for, and not figuring it out and getting medically discharged. It, it was, it was like, well, that, that was a, honestly, that was a test of faith to me. I mean, mm-hmm. it was, God, everything's going right now. I met my second wife. I'd gone through a divorce too with my first wife during that time frame, which didn't help mm-hmm. uh, but with my second wife and things are great i've got my master's degree i'm a commission officer now i'm, I'm like whoa and like, what did i and, you know, and everybody goes to this what did i deserve to do that what did i deserve for this why did mm-hmm. i and you know i did i i did think back to the story of joe and mm-hmm. you know at least i mean i i like man well but i it doesn't mean i still wasn't pissed I, I was trying to rationalize it i was trying to say what in the world why mm-hmm. did, did why is this ha- i've gone through all that all over again why is this happening again and yeah i, I still thought back i still remembered the teachings of never quit this they get up on that horse and 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 i remember being sick for that one year where i i had a very very bad case of of ulcerative colitis inflammatory bowel disease Mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's something you can't ever get rid of that was also a disappointment it's incurable it's, it's mm-hmm. you, can, you can control it you can put it in remission but it's incurable you have to get colonoscopies every couple of years to make sure it doesn't turn into cancer yeah. but it, it was it was just going oh, man that's what do i do now and still that same same voice uh, you know get up on that horse son. if you fall off that horse get back up on it i remember every day for a year I'd roll out of bed. I was emaciated. It felt like I'd gone through ranger school again. I mean, I'd lost 30 pounds. I was just leaning. I couldn't move. I couldn't eat anything. And then just, okay, let's do it step by step. Just like your grandpa used to do when he used to get up on the farm and grow them crops, man. Get the plant. All right. We got to we gotta take care of. Then we got to water. Then we got to pick. And it was like, okay, get up out of bed. Figure out what you can eat one step at a time. All right. I can eat that. I can't eat that because I'd eat something. If it caused me distress, I caused my stomach to bleed, which would come out the other end bloody. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then, then I knew I couldn't eat it. All right, do a push up today. All right, get up and do another. Push. And I really, I felt like I was growing a crop, like I was a crop and I'm okay. I'm growing myself now. Let's figure out what works for me. And it reminded me of the farm. It reminded my grandfather being, being that guy on the farm and figuring mm-hmm. out how to grow that. And I so my dad, don't quit. Don't quit my head every day. And it, after a year, I got myself back pretty dang good shape um and then out of nowhere that's where i got a call from blackwater security and then i got a second call from triple canopy uh and that's when the contracting days the private security contractors were getting big this was oh three and out of nowhere i got a call and it was kind of funny i I think it's funny because they asked if i wanted to be a contractor i remember the blackwater recruiter and i thought he meant building houses and i said man (laughs) i I don't know how to build houses in iraq i don't i don't know if you got the right number it's like no 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 we want you to come and you know, do what you did in the army, but you're going to do it as a private citizen. You're going to work for us. And this is what we're going to pay you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? And then we were getting paid. It was a lot of money until a car bomb went off. Then it wasn't yeah. enough. But, but um, it's like, yeah, I look back on it now. I'm like, wow, God really did have that plan. He put me through all that. Even as I was doing well to knock me down a little bit so I could overcome that adversity. And then out of nowhere, he's like, here, here's another opportunity for you. I think this may be better suited for you. 
and getting that call from Blackwater and Triple Canopy. And that's when I started contracting. And for the next 10, 11, 10 almost 11 years, that's when I started mm-hmm. was going back and forth to all those countries and f- helping out with the global war on terror and serving serving whoever needed me, whether it was Department of Defense or there was a CIA or the State Department. So it all worked out, but I can look back on it now and see that. But at the time it was, man, God, why are you kicking me in the, kicking me in the teeth again? What did I do? To, you know? But, um, but I, th- that, that, that old base, that old adage of still fall off that horse and get back on it. You don't quit. You get up in the morning. You hope if you don't get what you want, you got to work a little harder. That just kept staying in my head every day. And it still stays in my head to this day. It's still there. It's never going to go away. And I, again, I, I have to say thank you to my abuelo and thank you to my father. And of course, my mother, my grandmother, my grandmother, my mother, my grandmother, of course, that they gave me that never quit attitude that I've taken now for how many years? I've just caught on for 50 some years. And it was wow. instilled in me at a very, very early age. And we we do. We need to do that as fathers. We need to do that with, with our children. And uh, and 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 remember that hard work is extremely important, that mm-hmm. you're going to be successful with hard work. Just because you post something on YouTube, you're not going to be a sensation, man. You still need to work hard to, to accomplish things in life. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be, you're going to feel good about it because anything that I've gotten that I worked hard at, I've always felt better than when something was just given to me. Mm-hmm. Always. And I learned that from my grandfather big time and my father as well. I think a lot of times too, through social media, people see the success, right? Or the perceived yeah. success. Perceived. They, exactly. Yeah. But they don't really see what that person went through. They don't see the trials and errors, the the mishaps, yeah. how many times you failed to get to that point. You yes. know what I mean? Yep. You're seeing, they see the end state. Even with, uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of people that, that, that now that I've, I, I speak and I've told stories about my childhood growing up, I, I see a lot of people like, wow, I didn't know that you had to go through all that, man. That kind of, re- I, that relates to what I'm going through. Well, I, how many of them out, how many of those people out there that are showing that they are successful that don't go back and, and really talk about what they had to go through to become successful and what success is, it's a different measure on everybody too. I don't think yeah. finances should be measure success. It's just feeling fulfilled in your life and having a great family and, and having virtue and integrity to me, success money comes and goes money's yeah. fa- and fame. I don't, I hate that word. I, I you know, I, cause fame should be a product of what you worked hard at i think nowadays with social media fame is the end state where in the past it should it where in the past it wasn't that way with us growing up being notarized having some notoriety or or being famous guys i'm doing air quotes with my hands guys being famous was a byproduct of being actually very very good at something Mm -hmm. now now famous is the end state going with really you know, a lot of times I know we talk about hard work. A lot of times it's not a lot of hard work that gets us there. And I don't think that 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 should be something that we should we should encourage our children to do. We we need to encourage our children to still work hard and that you're going to start at the bottom level. You're not going to make it to the top right away. It's not fast food society where you go to McDonald's and order your order your executive meal and now you get up to the top of the corporate world and here I'm at the window and now you're an executive. No, you have to work hard to get your way up there. And I think we've lost a little bit of that with social media because, well, you're right. You First of all, because all you see is the end state. So a lot of times you don't see the work that was put in that these people that may you may idolize. I, I, that, that's a hard word too. being a Christian. I hate saying that because there's only one person you should idolize. Right. But, but putting these idols or these people up on pedestals, um, you don't know the hard work or there are some that have become financially successful overnight. Well, that's not somebody you really want to. I'll be honest, want to want to be like. I, I really feel like the, they're they're very. I, I would put dollars to donuts that they're mm-hmm. they're very unsatisfied in their lives. And I'll tell you what. Why do I say that? From my experience, in those three years, just going on TV, doing the commercials, having that movie come out, you know, mm-hmm. having thirteen hours come out. And it was a great experience. It's a great experience, but it really was. Uh, but I I was in a world where I had a lot of money. I did. Mm-hmm. I had a ton of, I had, I had a lot of money, but it was the worst experience of my life. It was, I, I, I hated it. That was the three mm-hmm. years. That was probably the worst three years I've ever lived in my life. Expand and, on that, Chris, if you don't mind. Yeah. It, it, well, it was because that's all I had was money. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anything else. I, I got divorced from my second wife. I didn't have my family around me. I, I'd lost 
faith. I wasn't praying anymore. I wasn't talking to God anymore. Um, I was drinking all the time, you know, starting to do drugs again. And I wasn't always a big drug dealer. I wasn't like that, but I was starting to smoke a little bit more pot than I should. And pot, it's not a bad drug. Well, it's a, it is if you're doing it way too much just to overcome mm-hmm. the pain. I was taking medication from the VA hospital too, which didn't help. Um, and like I said, and, and I was out there just cavorting around being that being just, just in one toxic relationship after another. Mm-hmm. And it, it, drove me down that slippery slope. And I did, I, 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 I there was a video uh, I did, and I did a music video for this group called all that remains. And it was called madness. And if people see it, it was where a father was I'm trying I'm going to kill myself. I have a gun in my hand. And then my daughter runs in the room. People see that video and they're like, wow, that was great. You did a good job. Well, that's because I wasn't acting. I, I really wanted to, and I did, I tried to kill myself three times during those three years. Wow. Um, and it, 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 how did I got out of that again? How did I got out of that? Well, I found God. Eventually, I looked in the mirror and I just said, "Hey, I don't want. Do I want to live like this for the rest of my life? Mm-hmm. Is money is money that important that I'm going to forsake God and my family, and also my own integrity?" And and it took me a chance to look in the mirror, and I had to do it two or three times to do that, just to look at myself because I was so disgusted with myself. Um, but I had to look in the mirror and finally figure out, nope, I I, I don't want to live like this for the rest of my life. I got to get back to what I was taught as a child, the values that are important. And that is, that is integrity. All right. That is hard work. That is family, huge family. And, and I ended up um, putting the gun down. It was after my last attempt to, to, you know, I had to actually, the Glock was in my hand and uh, I was, I did, it was like, it looked like the, if you've ever seen the crying game, I was, the, the shower scene was me perfectly in the shower, you know, I'm crying my eyes out and then getting out and picking up the gun. And then looking in the mirror and, and, and putting it down and me just thinking, okay. And, and having that conversation with myself in the mirror mm-hmm. and then remembering that base I have for my, for my family, like family's important family. You don't quit. You keep grinding. Right. You were God got a plan for you. It does. Mm-hmm. This isn't the plan killing yourself. What's that going to do? You're going to burn internally in hell. That's not something, you know, you're going to, you're going to do everything that the devil wants you to do. And um, I was able to put that down and, and I reconciled my second wife. We actually got remarried and we're back, you know, we're, we're together, love family. Um, I, I stopped doing the things that were toxic, the drinking. You know, I, I, I still have imbibe in a drink maybe once or twice a month. And, you know, I'm my own vodka. I, I have to drink it every once in a while. <laughs> right. you know? but, um, but I don't do it like I did. I, I, you know, I don't do drugs anymore. I got off all the VA, VA medication. I do some CBD. I think CBD actually works. It's, it's helped me a bunch. Yeah. Um, but um, but really, it, it was the getting back to the grassroots of what I did, how I grew up, the things that I had learned from my father and my grandfather growing mm-hmm. up, and that that and that you don't quit on yourself, and that was the biggest thing. Like I always remember, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I got this gun in my hand, and I'm going to quit on the something I should, the thing you should never quit on, and that's yourself. And I'm like, mm-hmm. like what a hypocrite I am. I, I've been living this adage of you don't quit, you keep grinding. Here I am going to quit on one of the most important things in life, and that's myself. Wow. Mm. But that came back to again that that's that base that I had. I don't think I would if I hadn't had that base mm-hmm. of learning from my grandfather and my father, especially that hard work, that ethic, the Christianity, the the never giving up attitude. I probably would have done it. I know it's it, it's hindsight's twenty twenty. Oh, I probably. Yeah. The the chances of me had doing it and killing myself would have increased if I hadn't had that mm-hmm. good paternal figure or paternal figures, I should say, in yes. my life. So yeah. Man, I think it's amazing that you said that. I've never heard that before. Don't quit on yourself. I mean, and a lot of times as men, you know, especially alpha males, you know, yeah. in the industry that I run in, you know, military and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, dude, a lot of times we feel so guilty if we can't help our, our team, right. Or whoever we're a part of, right. That's what keeps us going. It's that guy next to us, you know, your crew, whatever, you know what I mean? But we don't even check on ourselves. We don't self-assess. And we, a lot of times we wind up quitting on ourselves. Which is amazing because we're all seals and Rangers and Marines and, and you don't quit on yourself. You, you never quit. That's the biggest. You, you yeah. don't quit to get to the next level. And then you're going to quit on something that's the most important things in your life. And that's your family and yourself. And you're going to quit now. That's, 
I, I talk to guys with post-traumatic stress and I, I do have it. I, you know, I've, I've been clinically diagnosed with it. So what I, I, I deployed with it for six years as well. When I was a contractor, I had it in 2007 and I kept going overseas. It's something we can adjust with it. Granted it, it it's hard obviously yeah. for telling this story. It did have some effect on me with survivor's guilt and things I've seen and things that I like, man, the what ifs, the what ifs, the what ifs, the should ifs and could ifs that you mm -hmm. always think about. But in the end, I, I do talk to people about tough love. I said, guys, I'm not going to sugarcoat it to you. You're going to have to figure it out on your own. You have to take that look in the mirror. Mm -hmm. and is this something that you want to do? Is this something that you, you're going to say, hey, I'm going to quit on myself and look in your mirror and you say that. If you Obviously, you're not going to be able to do that, which is what I want you to do. All right? But I want you to take that look at yourself and then also look inside yourself and say, have you ever quit on anything? You haven't. Why in the heck are you going to quit on yourself, mm -hmm. quit on yourself now after all this, especially just quit on yourself, period, when you've been taught ingrained in your head that you don't quit anything. And mm. that that was I was it was it, another humbling <clears throat> moment where I was like, a, or I'm looking in the mirror saying that to myself and going, man, mm -hmm. I, what, an, what an idiot I am. Oh my gosh. What, I, I can't believe I'm quitting on. I, I've never quit anything. In fact, I. Every time I got kicked out of something or I got sick or I failed, failed at something, I worked harder to get better at it. Now I'm going to quit on my family and myself. And, it, and I did have to take a knee and realize it wasn't nobody else's fault either. I put myself yes. in that situation. Nobody else did. And I could have handled it better. But it was a great learning experience because now as we've continued on, you know, I'm speaking with you today, I'm able to handle the public figure side of, of, of what taught you know what i am i would what my life has actually went that way i wasn't planning on it but mm -hmm. the public figure side of how to handle it better and how to how to sometimes i have to say no and having mm -hmm. my family around you know and and having talking to buddies every once in a while or being there if they they text me or they call me but also telling them guys in the end i had to tell one ranger this in the end i was like you're gonna have to figure this out for yourself buddy i'm here for you but it kind of going to come to this intestinal fortitude do you have it and it's a scary to say that because you don't want somebody to kill themselves but there comes a point where as veterans too mm -hmm. you just got to tell you you got to give that tough love you gotta say hey mm -hmm. knuckle up buddy you, you're gonna have to get this done and you're gonna have to figure it out for yourself if you want to continue to live your life like this and if you're gonna keep drinking or you're gonna keep cavorting around you're gonna keep sleeping around getting in bad relationships it's not gonna change but once you figure that out and you stop those things and you start picking up your Bible again, things will get better. But I can't do that for you. You're going to have to figure out how to do that for yourself. And that was yeah, something I learned from my father, my grandfather. Right? They couldn't do it or anything for me. You're going to have to figure it out for yourself. You're going to have to get better for yourself. You're going to have to work a little harder. It's nobody else's fault. This is you. You. This is your responsibility. Now, I guess we didn't use that word too much, but that was another thing that I was taught younger as, as, a, as being responsible for my own actions. Mm -hmm. And that goes to the buddies that I talked to as well. You're responsible for your actions. And there are guys that are able to get out of it because they fixed their lives. They unf themselves or, mm -hmm, <laughs> or they right. fix the, fix them. And there's others that that don't. And um, you know, I've, I've, I've lost a lot of friends due to, due to uh, suicides. I have. Mm -hmm. Or or living living a hard life where suicide's inevitable whether it's mm -hmm. driving your motorcycle every day 100 miles an hour down the road to getting involved in hard drugs where you're you're, you're doing some hard drugs and they od mm -hmm. um but but in the end man it, it comes down to you're gonna have to overcome it yourself and if you have that if you've had that good base which i did and i'm very mm -hmm. blessed then i I've, I know I'm not going to give up on myself. I never will. And I've been through that test now. I've overcome yep. that obstacle. I know it's never going to happen again. And um, I know I'll never fall for that again. I say, you know, I never be, I'll never go in a dark spot again. No, I do. I have demons like everybody else, mm -hmm. but I don't let them beat me up because I know I can overcome them. And I've, I've been there. I've been there naked in the shower, crying my eyes out. Yeah. Cause, but I've also, man, just, I, I glad I just remember and, looking in the mirror and remembering my grandfather and my dad and, and just remembering them, Hey, you can beat this. You can, you got this, you don't quit mm -hmm. on anything and me not quitting on anything. And, and then bringing God back in my life and my life just, just skyrocketed. I'm in, I'm in an awesome place. I, I love my life. My life is never better now. And it's not because I got a ton of money. In fact, I lost a ton of money <laughs> due to <laughs> bad, bad people are being vested with bad people around that like to take a lot of money from me, but that's okay. I don't have an issue with that. 
money comes and goes. I can put food on the table. I got the kids. Kids are doing awesome in school. My wife loves me. And what else can you ask for? That's yeah. it. Exactly. Chris, thank you so much for coming on here, brother, and just sharing your story with us. I know our listeners are going to get tremendous value from this. Oh, thank you, um, bro. It was just so awesome to just hear how you put it back to the basics. And that's yeah. what we need to do as, as a whole, as collectively, as, as, as fathers, as leaders in the community. We need to get back to those good basic values. Yes, sir. You're spot on. Man. It is. And that's the simplest thing. Whenever I talk to these corporations, like, man, it, it is just basics. It's nothing, nothing mm -hmm. extraordinary. There's nothing that you have to do. That's you have to go to college for years and years. That it's just, it's just your basics. It's your manners, your discipline, your values. That's all it is. And, but we've, we've forgotten a lot of that because uh, we want to let social media raise our kids and we don't mm -hmm. want to be mean to our kids because we might shame them and now, sometimes it's necessary. And I'm glad, I'm glad I got shamed every once in a while. I'm glad I got my butt spanked when I mm -hmm. shot my brother with a BB gun on accident. <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> I got my, I, it was necessary. Uh, I'm not saying you have to beat your kids and no, I don't go that route. That's mm -hmm. not what I'm saying, but you do have to show some discipline and you have to teach them sir and ma'ams and thank yous. And you have to give them the old attitude of, again, is that you never quit. You always work your tail off to get what you want. Mm -hmm. And that stayed with me forever. And that's, that's why I'm at this point in my life now where I can actually look back at it and go, wow, mm -hmm. man, I, I got to go through so much life. This is just gravy now. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm very, and everybody can get to that point. I believe they can, if they're willing to take a step back and just reevaluate their lives and, and see how they're doing. And, and, but also give your kids that positive so they can be successful down the line, even if it means a little discipline. And even if it means that you have to have to tell them no every once in a while. It's, it's, there's not a problem in that. So yeah, bro, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on, David. Thanks for your service too, medic. Yeah, docs, I love medics, dude. Docs, docs take care of us, doc. So yeah, I appreciate it, Dave. You're a man. Thank you, brother. <laughs> Once again, Chris, uh, can I have you share with our listeners how they can get a hold of you, how they can get your merchandise, your book? Oh yeah, yeah. And that, guys, I know it's tough times right now. Save your money if you. Hey, man, we got we got stuff's cost so dang much right now. But mm -hmm. if if you want to get anything, uh, you know, merchandise wise, you can go to my website, chrisTonoPerano.com. I do teaching right now. I do a lot of firearm training under Battleline Tactical, but you'll find that under the drop down menu. And then I have my Instagram and my Facebook page. I don't do Twitter. Twitter's too dang divisive, but my Instagram and Facebook pages are, are out there. And you'll, you'll know it's me because there's a blue check mark by the name. And you just search Chris Tano Pirano, uh, the real Chris Tano Pirano on Instagram. And then Facebook is just Chris Tano Pirano and check things out guys. And I'd love to see everybody come to a farms course that we have. We do a tremendous job and it's fun and we it's just we have a lot of fun and we're very non-intimidating so i want new shooters to come in and start getting in that 2a community and it's very therapeutic it really very is being outside and shooting all the time is is so therapeutic and it just brings you back to nature it really does mm. once again thank you and this is david with the show up dad with chris peronto telling you don't quit on yourselves dad and remember every action has a reaction once again this is david with the show up dad and thank you for joining us on this podcast.